Hi guys, welcome back to the show. So I'm so excited today to introduce our guest, Jennifer Boywell. And Jen is a trauma-centered yoga and meditation teacher. And so she also specializes in Reiki and sound healing. She's super cool. So Jen is deeply committed to helping you find focus, resilience, and balance in your life. And she likes to do this through a non-pharmaceutical approach. Jen helps vets and active duty military and first responders, and she helps them develop deep resistance within themselves through trauma-focused specialized practices that she's certified in, and she's going to talk a lot about this. She herself is a wife to a retired SWATs, and Jen is a former special education teacher and certified warrior at ease. Iris meditation, which we're going to talk about in this episode, and she's also an accessible yoga teacher. Jen believes that yoga is an inclusive experience for anyone and everyone, regardless of age, challenge, or disability. It's just, you're just going to find so many nuggets of useful information in this show. Jen can be found on her website at jenniferboilo.com. So it's B-O-I-L-E-A-U.com. And you can also find her on Instagram at Jen Boilow, J-E-N-N-B-O-I-L-E-A-U. And what's really cool is on her site, you can get some music in there and you can kind of access all her, some of her yoga information, which is really cool. So Jen's going to be offering in the next few weeks, probably at the end of March, she's going to be offering these four week workshops where she dives into various practice of practices of mindfulness while also practicing and teaching IRS meditation. And I think you're going to be really interested in that after you listen to this episode. I know I certainly am, and I look forward to doing that workshop in the future with her. So join me today in welcoming Jen Boylow to the show. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the show. So today we have Jen Boylow on today talking about yoga and meditation. So welcome, Jen. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. So Jen, may I know, can you kind of give us some information? We talked a lot in the past about yoga and meditation. And I feel like meditation is something that I've heard anyway. I know that we've discussed this here, which might be a little bit different, is that meditation seems to be a little bit like harder. And I think people get scared of it. And as you pointed out previously, that people get scared of yoga too. So can you just kind of talk about what meditation really is? I think people feel like they can't really, it's not like applicable or portable and they have to find this space in a certain spot. So can you kind of talk a little bit about meditation and the benefits of meditation? and yoga at that point too, since you do practice yoga. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, you're, it's totally fine. I'm happy to expand on all of that. This is, Mm. this is all in my wheelhouse. This is my favorite things to talk about. So I'm happy to. So meditation is really just one of the tools that we have to really transform the mind. And I think sometimes people have an image of meditation as you know, oh, I need to go find this special cave where I can be alone and just, you know, sit with my legs crossed and have my hands up in a hand position, you know, 
They're called mudras. They are good. I do enjoy them, but not necessary at all. So I do think there, there is that misconception that it has to be done in a special place in a special room or, or something like that. And maybe you're like, listen, I have kids running around. I have a job I need to get to. I don't have a lot of free time. How does this fit into my life? Or maybe they've been to a meditation class or had an experience and felt like the thoughts were just like popcorn going off. And it's like, how do you get that to quiet? And if you have a preconceived idea of what you thought you would experience, and then you have that popcorn of thoughts going off, sometimes people feel like, oh, I'm just a total failure at this. Like I'm not meant for this. I'm out. And that is really not the case. So for meditation, especially, you know, we don't want to silence the mind. The only time you're going to find silence is when, you know, you're not alive anymore. So we need you here and it's okay that the thoughts come. So really meditation and in particular, the type of meditation that I teach is called I rest or integrative restoration. I can kind of speak to that a little bit, but it's meant to give you the perspective of the observer. So, you know, when you think about your day and you're busy and you've got these to-do lists all happening and it's like, boom, 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 one thing after another, really when it comes down to it, I think sometimes we tie ourselves so much to those thoughts and because the mind's busy, we feel overwhelmed and we feel busy. But when you can create enough space that you can recognize yourself as the observer, someone that sits back just for even 30 seconds when you're sitting at the red light, right? Uh, in traffic or you're pouring a cup of coffee or something, just being able to sit back, notice the thoughts and say like, okay, listen, I see you're here. I'm going to get to you. And just kind of giving yourself that mental note of unhook from that thought, just unhook from that. Wait, is that considered meditation? The unhooking? Absolutely. Becoming the observer. So becoming the observer is a really important piece, recognizing that you are not the thoughts, that you are this unchanging awareness, right? If we really peel back the onion down to the center, you are this unchanging awareness in which these thoughts and feelings and emotions and to-do lists and all these things kind of arise and then they pass on through. So that's probably the biggest piece that I would, I would say meditation offers you is that ability to recognize, you know, have you heard that expression? You know, like you're the sky and everything else is just the weather when you can recognize like, okay, this is just passing on through. Let me unhook from this thought. I'm going to come back to that. Let me just notice when I pour my coffee, maybe what it sounds like, maybe the smell of the coffee that I really need in the morning, right? The warmth of it in your hands. I mean, this sounds simplistic, but this is absolutely like a, a mindful meditative moment that you're giving yourself unhooking from all the thoughts and just coming into the body, noticing the senses and inviting in as, as much information, as much sensory information as you can. Think about how that could change your whole morning right? You're like 
flying through your morning. You're trying to get kids either on virtual school or real school or not real school or who knows what kind of school right now. You're trying to get out the door or maybe log on to your own Zoom call yourself after you get the kids square. And it's like, oh, I can turn the really simple task of pouring a cup of coffee or making a pot of tea into this sensory experience that then helps to quiet the mind. You know, the mind just wants something to pay attention to. It just needs something. So if you don't give it something directed, you know, a gentle direction step coming from you, then your mind's like, Hey, no problem. We have a popcorn machine in the back. We're just going to keep it <laughs> rolling. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's a great analogy. So it's, it'll just be, it'll just keep coming up with something unless you direct it in a way that you want it to be directed. And that's simple as something as simple as recognizing like kind of who you are and that you are not the thoughts that you have is enough that that could be, that, that it is considered meditative. That's really informative. I, I would never have thought that. Absolutely. It's a really big, it's a, it's because meditation sounds big. And sometimes you might read something that sounds really technical and really, and it's like, listen, this is really, really simple. When you think about, you know, the simple tasks we do, like pouring a cup of coffee, washing the dishes or something, just noticing the slipperiness of the soap, the warmth of the water. Maybe there's like sunshine. Is there a, is there sunshine please (laughs) out the window or maybe snow again? Who knows? Like I feel like every other day it's some other (laughs) surprise, but just inviting in sensation and directing your attention and your concentration to the present moment and what is at hand that can make a huge difference. And it's great for, it's a very simple practice for adults, but it's also great for kids, you know, because kids are really dealing with a lot of overwhelm right now. And it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as, you know, Hey, we're going to sit and do this coloring activity. Like, what does it feel like when you rub your crayon on the paper like that? And what if you took the paper off and made it flat? Does it make, does the pattern look different? Does it feel different? Does your crayon smell funny? (laughs) Because remember as a kid, crayons. Like engaging in the senses. Yeah, I have a four-year-old. He's always breaking the crayons. (laughs) So I remember. Yes, exactly. So So that sensory part of it helps like with kids to have that. Absolutely. Because we want to get into these somatic felt senses in the body. Because the mind wants to keep you out here, right? The mind wants to keep you like busy, busy with everything else. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to unhook from that thought. Thank you. And get into my body in this present moment. What is happening? And if you think about it, you know, like you're going to get to those things. Like these these practices won't make, you know, the to-do list necessarily disappear, but it's going to help you move through the to-do list more present more aware and you'll be coming from a place of groundedness as opposed to frantic, right? That like, you know, that frantic morning where you're just running everywhere, you run out the door, you're hurrying to get somewhere and you realize you forgot 10 things because you were so preoccupied, you know, it would feel a lot better to come from a place of groundedness, feeling like you had your feet on the ground and really connected with yourself before you stepped into yeah. Whatever the next task was for the day. 
And so when you talk about doing this, like meditation, what, like, so I know that you've talked about like how it can make us feel more focused and less frantic. Are there other, like other health benefits to doing any kind of meditative practice or yoga practice? So there's some phenomenal, I mean, so much I could geek out on like the brain stuff all day long. Do it girl. (laughs) I know you got a lot in there. Oh, it's so like, there's so many good things especially because we live as a society in this sympathetic nervous system dominance all the time. It's phenomenal for your nervous system. So, so when I say sympathetic nervous system dominance, I'm referring to that constant state of fight or flight that, you know, all day long, we're breathing a bit shallow, right? Like right now we're holding our breath. I feel like I do that all the time. I don't even know I'm doing it. Absolutely. You don't realize you're doing it until all of a sudden you have that gas, right? And then you're like, was I holding my breath? (laughs) Or that expression, you know, that a sigh is a silent scream. Like, hello, we've all been there. (laughs) We've all had that experience. And it's like shifting from that constant shallow breath, that kind of heightened state where we're not really grounded in ourselves. We're not really settled. So then we can't have that parasympathetic nervous system, all the good response of that, of rest and digest. So when we stay in this, excuse me, when we stay in this sympathetic nervous system dominance, we're a lot of bodily functions are, are changing. And there are things changing in the brain as well. Like for instance, say there's something that really makes you nervous or something you're really worked up about, or maybe you're going to do public speaking and you're not a fan, all of a sudden, doesn't your mouth get super dry? And then you're like, anybody have some water? (laughs) What's happening? So that's your sympathetic nervous system saying like, Hey, listen, we're getting ready for you to, you know, bust a move and get out of here. Like I mean, it really, I'm not trying to say that, that you're, that both sides of your nervous system aren't, aren't uh, helpful because we need them both, but it's just helping ourselves remember like, no, this is not a time of danger. This is not a time where I need to be running from a saber toothed tiger right now. Thanks. I just, I need to get myself grounded and settled into this rest and digest mode. So things like your saliva drying up is one of those indicators that you're sympathetic nervous system is way, way up here and you're about to, to blow. And there's many other uh, factors. Your digestion slows. So many things start happening. Uh, it's like a, a domino effect. Now, if you're in a dangerous situation, it's a good domino effect. It's going to help you get that, get up and go and get out of a dangerous situation. But if you're just in your regular life, you definitely don't want to stay in this space. Your parasympathetic side of your nervous system which we invite in by having that, those mindfulness moments, those times where we're going inward, noticing sensation, you know, feeling grounded, you're breathing a little deeper, your saliva actually, even within the first couple minutes of shifting your breath to stretching it out, like you can have a test on, there are indicators in your saliva that show that your parasympathetic nervous system is like, oh, hi, thanks. We're here now. <laughs> we got this. Yeah. I mean, I love that. <clears throat> I love awesome. that. It's like, oh, we've been waiting for you. We're ready. <laughs> Let's go. So 
all of a sudden the saliva production increases. And when that happens, then your digestion is better. And when that happens, and it's like, again, and it's like this domino effect of all these systems, your, your organs start to perform better. Your cardiovascular health is better. So many phenomenal things are happening. And that's just by using your breath and your attention. I was going to say, because when you're, no, no, no. So I was going to say, because even just breathing, so you had talked about in the beginning with like the senses and just recognizing, you know, the feeling, but I guess just breathing in itself, can you speak to that is kind of a meditative, is kind of a meditative practice, right? Because it's allowing us to become like a little bit more centered. We're not holding our breath. We're just kind of letting us ourselves become a little bit more focused. Does that sound about right? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, your breath. Does it matter what kind of breathing you're doing? Well, when you extend your exhale, when you're focusing on extending that exhale, that tells your parasympathetic side of the nervous system, like, hey, she's ready for us. Like, are you guys here? All right, let's Wait, go. Wait, how does that sound? Is it like, an, <clears throat> how does it sound? Sorry, Jen, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm like, I need details. No, I can, hey, you know, I'll give you all the deets. It's, to, it's all good. So it can sound as, as quiet as can be, or it can be something very vigorous. So for instance, I always share with people two kinds of breathing that um, I think apply to kind of like the, the general rules of thumb for breath work. And I teach it in circles and squares. And so I like to envision that when you're breathing in a circular fashion, and I just like the visual of the circle. And I and I tell people that when, if you ever have had a, a panic attack or, or have felt really upset or anxious about something and have had a hard time breathing, you don't want to be thinking of complex theory, okay? You just want to think circles and squares, okay? Mm-hmm. We can all connect to that. And I think that's something that is really important because when you need the practice, I want you to be able to remember it right away. So for circular breathing, I like to stretch out the breath for a count of four in and then a count of four or maybe five out. So just envisioning that as you're breathing in this circle, you're going up around half of it with the inhale. And then as you exhale for that next count of four, maybe five, because extending it is that another little boost to help that relaxation response pour through the body that changes a lot of things. I mean, if you think about like right now, you and I are breathing, but it's like, it's so shallow. Can you even measure it? You know, it's probably not, but just by slowing it down, two, three, four, and then exhale, two, three, four, maybe five, feels a lot different, right? That's a way to smooth it out, stretch it out, and it, it kind of gives you that visual of this continuous circle, right? This, this tiny slight pause at the top and then continue with your exhale. If you do a few rounds of that, if you're just kind of, maybe you're sitting at a red light, maybe you're standing in line at the grocery store and you're like, wow, really? Only two lines open <laughs> and you're <laughs> standing in the aisles. It's like, take a few minutes and just stretch out your breath for that four count in four or five count out. That's a favorite for me. The square breathing is when you think, you know, things have hit the fan. Uh, Sometimes it's referred to as box breath. Navy SEALs call it box breath. It's used a lot of times in a a different context. So it might have different names, but it 
it all acts the same. You're breathing in for four. Imagine you're tracing around a box here, holding the breath for four, exhale for four, tracing around that third side, and then hold for four. So when you imagine breathing around that box and you add in those holds, you're giving yourself a little bit of a, a break and you're creating some space because when you're upset, you know, think about when you're upset, your breath is really quick, or maybe you're even about to hyperventilate. Suddenly, by adding that hold in there, you're creating some space. And when you do that, it's it's like telling your body like, okay, hang on, we got to bring you back down. So maybe a few rounds of that square breathing, that that interruption of the breath is enough to get you grounded again. And then you're like, okay, I got this. I can I feel I, calmer already. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So there's so there's a, it can be as simple as that, circles and squares. And I teach that to preschool age children. And I've taught it to people in nursing homes. So that is something it applies to everybody. It's, it's a, it's a quick thing and it's always counting in that. I like that four count, but certainly when you exhale, you can always extend it a little bit. That kind of, kind of helps to trigger that, that nervous system response. Now the other kind of breathing, I mean, there are several kinds. There's one in particular called Kapalabhati breathing, which is a skull shining breath, which is a very forceful exhale where you contract your abdominal muscles at the same time. And that can be very invigorating to the body. And, you know, they call it skull shining breath because they say you're glowing by the time you're done. Your, your body is just full of super oxygenated blood. It's, it's a breath type of breath that you find just you almost feel like shimmering throughout the body when you practice it. I recently was in a retreat for IREST meditation for teachers. And when I say we did this for a long time, we did it for a long time every day, um, at least a hundred rounds of it. And that does have a sound. Do you want me to, because no, you asked me you for a sound. You don't have to do it. You okay. Don't have to do it. You don't have to do okay. It. That does have a sound. It is a very. It sounds very like you have to think about it and it sounds a little harder. Well, it's just breathing out through the nose and focusing on the exhale. So a lot of yogic breath focuses on the inhale first, the inhale, whereas Kapalabhati breathing is focusing on a forceful exhale paired with the contraction of your abdominal muscles. So basically like suck in your stomach and exhale through the nose. So sounds like that. Okay. I'm going to like, hopefully not, you know, blow any not rockets on your show. <laughs> I don't see any. I don't see any on the screen. I think you're okay. I'm so, so good. Wait, so can you tell me, because I now, we didn't talk about IRS. So you talked yeah. about a little bit at the beginning, what it is. Can you kind of talk about the, like where it originated from? Because I think that's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So IRS or integrative restoration is a kind of a modern day take on an ancient practice of yoga nidra. So Dr. Richard Miller is the founder of IREST and I actually have a call with him tomorrow. He's a wonderful, wonderful person. He started with this type of meditation at Walter Reed Medical Center, and he was using it with veterans coming back from deployments. So if you think of if someone in your family or friends have been deployed and they are dealing with some serious stress, talk about a a constant 
sympathetic nervous system dominance, right? I was always staying at this high, high level of, of stress and not having a way to come down from that. A lot of times when, you know, vets are coming back, they're just handed a bunch of pills and they say, you know, oh, you can't sleep. All right, great. Here is the pill for this. And then this, it's actually going to make you want to kill yourself. So then we're going to give you another pill to cover that. And then if we could give you two more, this will cover the side effects of these other three. And it's like, are you kidding me? So by the time the person is trying to just treat maybe one or two things or, or deal with post-traumatic stress injury, suddenly they have a whole other host of problems. And, you know, when we think about suicide rates, right, we think about all these horrible things that on top of the stress and trauma they've already dealt with, like this is not working. So, so Dr. Uh, Miller said, Hey, you know what, let's have a research project because I'm seeing phenomenal results with my clients and I, I want to measure this. So the department of defense actually, it was like one of the sponsoring agencies for, for the study done at Walter Reed and the results were phenomenal. And what I love about this, it's, it is a non-pharmaceutical option. And the fact that the people that I work with, whether they're vets or they're civilians who have been dealing with persistent pain their whole lives. I mean, I have people that I've been working with that say the medication that they take for their pain does not touch the pain the way the I rest meditation does. That is, that's power. I mean, that's powerful. Like when people tell me I haven't been able to sleep for 20 years, you know, I haven't been able to sleep since I was in Vietnam. I haven't, you know, and now just by listening to recordings of an IRS meditation, they're able to go inward and really just peel back those layers and suddenly kind of remember their own true nature and realizing that yes, you may be experiencing pain and I'm not minimizing at all the, the, the pain that people experience, but to recognize that you beneath all of that, you are whole, right? And I think people forget that, that you are whole. And then, and that this pain is arising within your awareness and within your physical body here. But beneath that, you know, you just needed to remember that that part of you was still there. And I think that that's what gets lost in translation um, sometimes, especially when it comes to the pain science and with our first responders who are, are dealing with really heavy stress. Even right now, if I asked you to relax your jaw, it's like, oh, like you can feel that, right? Yep. Or if I said, you know, relax your right cheekbone, like it almost like falls a little bit and you're like, have I been holding it? Have I been like tensing up my face all day? And yeah, you have. So it's really just remembering that true nature. So, so I rest is a very particular protocol, roughly a 10 step protocol of, of helping you connect with yourself on a really deep level. And so that protocol becomes a little bit familiar and I love it because it's such a a trauma informed practice, but also because I could have a room of 400 people give one instruction and every single person will have a completely different experience. So I am guiding you, but I'm not telling you what to think, you know, and I, and that's really important. I think that's one of the big distinctions. If you are a trauma trained teacher or not, which I, everything I'm trained in is all related to being a trauma sensitive teacher, 
I don't want to say anything. I'm just, when I'm trying to get you into a relaxed state and then suddenly I'm telling you like, oh, imagine you're floating in a pond and you're like, thanks a lot. (laughs) I almost drowned when I was five, you know, like now I'm wide awake and I'm kind of like upset now. Okay. So I'm, so that's a, that's a big distinction that when you are, especially if you've had trauma and frankly, we all have, I mean, everybody should be, I think everyone's training should be trauma informed. Yeah. You know, I'm very sensitive to the fact that my words are very important to help guide you to have a very personal experience without being triggering. So we develop this, you know, inner resource within us, that place within you that just can't be touched by outside circumstances. You know, we, we develop, what would it look like if you were to live each day, you know, with this intention that takes you closer to your heartfelt mission coming alive around you. Like, you know, when you think about what your purpose is or the reason why you do what you do, you know, what does that look like? And what does that feel like? Can you find a physical location of that in the body? So it really is, I'm really asking you to look inward. And by following this protocol, you know, layer by layer, we kind of peel back and get to the center of you. and then focus on integrating that into your life. So, you know, last week I was, because I'm, I'm trained in IRS, but I am in the certification process now, which is lengthy and a lot of many, many hours. And I was the student last week. So because it was virtual integration for me kept, was just going upstairs and, and rejoining the family and trying to incorporate just the little pieces that I was able to pick up into how I interacted or how I noticed what I was doing when I was doing it, when I was cooking dinner, when I was putting dishes away, or I don't like putting dishes away, but, but I mean, I don't, I really much easier loading than it is to unload. You know, I agree. I don't know what it is about that. I know. I mean, so see, like we can't make it go away, but we can make it better. (laughs) Right. That's what I was going to ask though, like with I rest and thanks so much for talking all about that. It just sounds so amazing. I mean, but it sounds like people are really going through it. Like there's a lot of emotions that are probably coming up with it. So it sounds like you would need somebody who is trained in I rest in order to do it. Right. But then what happens with this transformation? And is it something that like meditation as a whole is it something that as you do it it becomes easier like it's easier to kind of get into that state of feeling relaxation and able to focus and release any and become more connected is it easier the more you practice it absolutely i really think it's like a muscle right so like you want to have this muscle memory and i tell people a lot you know we practice during times of ease so that when the stuff hits the fan you can go to it as a tool and it can be really effective for you. So, so I do think, yes, practice is essential, but you don't have to carve out an hour a day. Okay. So I I know time, I mean, I'm the teacher for God's sake. And I still am like, do I have an hour? You know, no, I don't always have an hour. I mean, I do, but I have 10,000, you know, I have kids everywhere, you know, blah, blah. So it can be as simple as Every time you pour that cup of coffee in the morning, that's your new routine of just noticing what it, the warmth of it in your hands, the smell of it, inviting in your senses. Maybe you like to go for a walk. Well, 
that walking or movement can be a meditation as well. Instead of putting in earbuds and listening to music or whatever, maybe you're just going to walk and notice the sounds around you and let this uh, boundary and border of your own self kind of soften a little bit. And maybe instead of just hearing it with your ears, can you like feel it, feel that sound as vibration with the body? So like, you know, you know, when you listen to really music that just moves you and it just kind of fills through the body, that's that feeling. That's that sensation that I'm talking about. Just trying to get from up here, get from your head and get into your body. So it can be that, that moving, that walking meditation. It can be all these little pieces, you know, I'd rather you practice these little minutes throughout your day, like scattered all over the place, because guess what? Those one minute meditations, they're going to add up and you're going to stay with it a little bit longer, probably each time. And you'll be more likely the next time you pick up a cup of something, you're going to be like, oh, this is so cozy. Like, this is so warm. This is so, I, I can really smell this. Like, wow, this really reminds me of, and suddenly it's become this whole other experience rather than just like, I got to make this coffee and get out of here, you know? And the more you do that, it just starts to become, it's like this, this thread, right? And every time you, you notice it, it's like, you're, you're adding to this little, little blanket you're weaving for yourself, this, this comfy, comfy coming back to of yourself. I will say, I, I do believe that it gets easier with practice. I know when you first start, sometimes I'll have people that it's almost like they're saying, well, okay, I think it's happening. Am I, I think I'm relaxing. Am I relaxing now? I don't know. Am I, I think I'm relaxing. No. And it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Listen, we have to let go of the, the, the thoughts, the thinking mind. And I say it all the time in class, the thinking mind has to fall back. So the thinking mind falls back and the felt senses in the body come forward. So that's what we keep trying to do. Let the thinking mind fall back. And you can, even if, if you're lying down or something, maybe you're laying in bed and your mind is like, like popcorn, just everything's going like crazy. Let the thinking mind fall back. Just notice that sensation of the back of your head resting on the pillow and just say to yourself, like, what, what sensation is arising in the body right now? Yeah. Cause it sounds like it helps take the focus off. Like that's kind of sounds like some of the process and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like kind of like stopping that switch, doing something to, because I do this all the time and I have anxiety, but it's like, and I'm sure lots of people in the audience, especially feel the same way, lots of women, their moms like us. And just like, it's just like a redirection, right? So it's like just stopping that like thought and then redirecting it. And it sounds like what you're saying is more that you like practice that cup of coffee and the sensations related to it every day. It just becomes more and more something that you're doing that you're probably not even thinking about but then you're able to tap into that probably a little bit easier the more you do it. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those, instead of going for a one hour meditation session and then saying that was horrible, I couldn't even relax. I was, you know, and then you feel like that you feel like you failed quote failed, which PS you haven't, there's no wrong way to experience it, you know, but you do feel like that. 
because I remember feeling like that in the beginning with yoga too. Like I, I drove past the yoga studio where I got trained at for like four years before I went in there. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't think I can go in there. <laughs> and I went in there once, took one class and said, oh yeah, I'm going to become the teacher. And I signed up for teacher training. And my husband's like, I don't know if you're aware, but you only went once. I'm like, I know, mm-hmm. all good. <laughs> I'm going to be a pro at that. I'm, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm not asking questions. I'm just really drawn to this. And I want to feel like that more often. So that's the thing. Like the more you practice, you'll start to recognize those signals in the body saying like, yes, you won't be questioning your intuition as much. It'll be like, I know what this feels like. Like a yes for me is like, I I feel like every single cell in my body just lights up and I'm like, oh yeah, no question. That's a yes. And then if it's like, eh, if it's not really a yes, I don't, I feel like, better not, better not say yes to that. I'm not feeling it. So, so you become really in tune with how your body sends you signals all the time. I mean, think about disease in the body or sickness. We get little whispers all the time and we're just usually too busy to notice. So then what happens? Your body yells a little louder and then maybe you still don't listen. And then next thing you know, you're like, you're sick on the couch for a week and you're like, oh, okay, sorry. I <laughs> Maybe I should have paid attention to myself a couple of weeks ago when I felt this coming on. So, so it's really tuning into yourself, tuning into the body and recognizing those, those signals when they come. And you have been such a font of knowledge. I mean, it's been so great having you on here. So can you tell us, I know that you teach yoga classes and it sounds like you are an eye rest instructor as well. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know that you have some classes that are coming up and then tell us where we can find you on your social media. For sure. So you can on social media, it's just my name, Jennifer Boylo on Facebook or at Jen Boylo, J-E-N-N Boylo. We'll have to write it. My last name's tricky. Write it. It'll be in the show. <laughs> you can find it. I was going to say, yeah. you make it sound like it's so easy to find. It's so oh, yeah. Spell. Yes. Yeah. Whenever someone at a restaurant or doctor's office says, Jennifer, bleh, I'm like, yeah, it's me. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So on social media, yes, just look for my name and you'll find me. When it comes to classes, I I teach uh, mindfulness workshops. The next one will begin, I believe, March 24th. And it's a four-week session where each week we talk about a different mindfulness activity. So I send out this little happy box of mindfulness related gifts that you can't open until the first night. And then I kind of go through with everyone what those next four weeks are going to look like. So I have them on zoom, they're virtual and we, we create this, you know, this sense of connection, even though we're all far apart. And I have people in the same group that are from all over the country. And we all because we're in this kind of shared vulnerability, we're, we're, we're all together in this space and kind of learning and growing together. It's a really amazing thing. So that I would, I would love if anyone has questions for sure, happy to answer anything about, about those, those classes afterwards. I always send a replay if you miss it or something and a little recap with some homework for the week. So it's like mindfulness homework during those four weeks. So, um, four weeks you're immersed in the practice. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's an hour session each time. And we, while we talk about the focus 
and reflect on how the, the week has been based on what, what the focus was. We also have an iRest practice. So like the second half of the class is actually you experiencing an iRest practice each week. So it's a little mix of some mindfulness activities, how to incorporate it into your life. And then you get a nice relaxing iRest session as well. In addition to that, in March, I'm going to start Tuesday night yin and iRest classes. So, and that'll be open to anybody. You could either do like drop in and try one class, or you could, you know, do a little class package of the month and give that a try. Yin is a seated practice. And I am an accessible yoga teacher, which means that I can include everyone regardless of physical ability. So you could be in a wheelchair, you could be bedridden, and I can still guide you through the same practice that an able-bodied person would be experiencing. So that's just something important to note that I'm very inclusive in my classes. So yin is super slow very calm. It's a deep stretching to get into the fascia in the body. And because it's such a focus on the fascia, we mainly focus from the the hips down that fascia that surrounds the muscles that when we, you know, create enough positive stress on that fascia, it helps to loosen up and help us get a little bit of fluidity of, of movement. So if you're an athlete, it's phenomenal. It helps to give you the the kind of deep stretching that you, you don't really get when you're just lifting and, you know, kind of training for whatever you might be training for very slow. We hold positions for a particular length of time to get deep enough into that fascia to let that, that release happen. And you'll feel it the next day in a good way. Like when you're, if you're going for a walk or going for a jog or something, you'll feel nice and loose and paired with that. We'll also have an eye rest practice. So You'll get to have your camera on or off, and then you'll get a recording of the class too, so that you can use it again afterward. Wait, so for that class, is it just for athletes or is it for other people too? Mm-hmm. Could you do it like if you're chronic, if you have like chronic pain or something like that, or who else would it be appropriate for? Oh, it's perfect for anyone, truly, okay. and any age group as well. Athletes is stuck in my in my head lately from people I've been talking to, but it's really applicable to absolutely anyone. I mean, you can have very limited mobility. You can do it from a chair. I can guide you in any way that's that's needed. It's a very, I want to say challenging, but it's it's not challenging in the way you would think. It's challenging in the mental game because we don't let ourselves experience stillness. I mean, if you think about the last time you just let yourself sit and do nothing, it probably wasn't for that long. (laughs) So when we're in that practice and we get into a position, we stay there for about three to five minutes to allow this, you know, because there's not a lot of elasticity with, with the fascia. So we have to give it time to just slowly begin to release a little bit. So you have to hold in that position and you're not talking. And then what happens when you get really still? Your mind's like, oh, hey, did you guys need something? Because I got that popcorn machine. Remember that popcorn machine? I got it. Like, let's get going. (laughs) So it becomes this interplay between your physical body letting go and finding any places that you're holding on and finding that release in the physical body. And when you do that, you might notice an emotional piece kind of rising to the surface kind of bubbling up from somewhere where it's been kind of shoved down because we didn't give it time. 
and then we're dealing with the thoughts, right? So it, it's a it's a very interesting interplay of the mind, body, and spirit in that class. Absolutely open to anyone. And we round it out with an eye rest practice. Very calming, very relaxing. So Jen, thanks so much for coming on. And for all you guys, I'll put Jen's information and her last name. E-O-I-L-E-A-U. <laughs> you got it. Right. So I'll put all that information in the show notes because I know you're going to be wanting to reach out to Jen because my gosh, she's just provided so much great and valuable information. And I think gave so much clarity to what meditation really can be instead of us making it into something much more of that than that prohibits us from doing it. So Jen, thanks so much. I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Guys, wasn't that awesome? My gosh. Jen just offered so many awesome nuggets of information. And she, as you can hear, is just so well-versed and knowledgeable in her profession. If you want to attend one of Jen's workshops, she has them typically in four-week increments, and she has one coming up at the end of March. So in that workshop, hear her talk about and teach you about mindfulness practices, and then also do some IRS meditation for you too. I'll attach all of Jen's information in the show notes, but I also want to review her website is jenniferboylo.com and she can be found at Instagram at jenboylow. So thanks so much for listening and I hope you guys have a great week and I'll see you back here next week. If you found value in this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Being a busy woman or mom doesn't mean that we have to give up on our health, wellness, or self-care. Together, we can take tiny, imperfect steps towards creating the whole health we desire and deserve. You can find us at wholehealthempower.com or on Instagram at wholehealthempower. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.